0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. Uh, I'm your host, Jonathan Sadler, and I'll bring in the panelists uh, that are with me today. We've got Scott Smelser with us. How are you doing, Scott?
1: Doing
0: well. Good. And Justin Dobbs. How are you doing, Justin?
1: Doing well, thank
0: God. Good. All right. Um, so we want to remind everyone at the beginning of our program, again, uh, if you have questions or thoughts about what we're discussing today, you can interact with us live on uh, YouTube. You can put your comments or your questions into the chat. I'll be watching that throughout uh, the the program today, or if you have any questions afterwards that you'd like to have us discuss on BibleQuest, you can visit our website, BibleQuest.tv, and we'll be happy to discuss those things in our future uh, times together. So today we're going to be discussing uh, laziness and what the Bible has to say about laziness, maybe uh, identifying some different principles or things uh, about laziness and uh, why to avoid laziness, and then maybe how to overcome laziness. Uh, and I think there are a lot of different places you can go in the Scripture. I primarily want to stick in Proverbs. Uh, the Proverbs have have a lot to say about this subject. And I kind of figured what we would do is I've kind of compiled some different Proverbs and, and some of the other guys uh, have gotten a couple of verses too that maybe we can read and discuss. But we're going to just kind of read through some of the Proverb principles and discuss them, break them down, and just see what we can get. From the, from the wisdom um, that's there and, and how to change our lives and be more godly in that way. Uh, when it comes to laziness, and I think why this is important, is uh, laziness is maybe one of the more rampant kind of attitudes or lifestyles because it's really easy to just fall into. Uh, it's, it's really easy to do nothing. And a lot of people default to doing nothing. And I struggle with that sometimes in my life where, you know, I just kind of like to do nothing <laughs> today. Um, it's it's a, uh, uh, you know, a simple place to fall into, um, but it's not what we need to be doing as God's people. And the Bible warns against that kind of lifestyle. It has a lot of dangers, not only personally, but also kind of externally and long term. There are dangers uh, with living in that way. So. Um, why don't we just read? I've got uh, a couple of groupings of Proverbs. Maybe if you guys could help me read some of these and then we'll go back and discuss uh, what what they are are saying. Um, the first group is um, Proverbs 13, verse four. If one of you guys could be ready to read Proverbs 13, verse four. Uh, and then another one get Proverbs 15, 19. And then I'll read Proverbs 21, 25. So whoever has 13, four can do that first. All right. The soul of the sluggard craves and
1: gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied.
0: All right, and then Proverbs 15,
1: 19.
2: The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. All
0: right, And then Proverbs 21, verse 25 says, The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hand refuses to labor. Um, so I put all these different proverbs together because I think they uh, kind of outline and describe what the life of a lazy person is. Uh, so what do you what do you guys see? Those are three different proverbs. What do you see in those principles or those proverbs? What's trying to be communicated about what the life of a lazy person or a sluggard is the word that the the Bible uses often? Uh, what What's the result of that?
1: You want, but you don't get what you need because you won't work. We <laughs> sit there in need and frustrated that you don't have what you want or need, and then it's often accompanied with expecting other people who do work are supposed to take care of you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, which happens a lot. There's there's a lot of uh, people, and Scott, you make this point spiritually that a lot of people are like this, where you want the good things, you want the blessings but you don't want the responsibility mm-hmm. um, and that happens spiritually with people when they want forgiveness from jesus like yeah i want jesus to forgive me i want him to save me i want to go to heaven all that kind of stuff but i don't want to be a slave and a servant and obey him and have a master and do what he says and give up my own rights and my life and stuff like that so you don't want the responsibility associated with the blessings and while that's true spiritually that's also true physically there are lots of people that want everything. They want, um, you know, excess. They want uh, anything that they want to eat. Uh, They want anything, any type of entertainment that they can get their hands on. Um, But they don't want to put in the work associated with getting those things. Um, It's a really common kind of way of thinking. My proverb, what I read, um, said that um, uh, the desire of the sluggard kills him, for he refuses to labor. Uh, I, I like that that kind of picture It's this this idea of somebody that only always thinks about what they want, but they never have what they want. And so that person's just going to be miserable <laughs> all the time. They're just frustrated, upset, angry, until eventually they die <laughs> and they and they never get what they want because they're not willing to go out and apply themselves to get what they want. It's really a, a miserable kind of lifestyle that's described.
2: It's interesting. Um the word "proverbs" means to, to lay down the side. So you get these thoughts that are side by side. And when you take a proverb that is is comparing two things, and then you compare those things to other things, you've got three proverbs that are <laughs> laying all this out. Uh, quick note: in 13:4, the the lazy person is contrasted with the diligent. No surprise there. In 15:19, he's contrasted with the upright. So it puts laziness into a moral question. To be lazy isn't just some uh, character flaw, it is a moral failure. Uh, And then he describes the laborer. Uh, You also have craving. And then 1519, talked about the way, um, you know, the way of the sluggard being a hedge of thorns. A lot of times, you know, you can still go places where they they just line, instead of using fencing, they use rock walls or hedges. And that kind of makes a fence. And if it's a hedge of thorns, it does a pretty good job of keeping things in, but it describes the sluggard as his way is that hedge of thorns. Like, that is his path.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So he's just, he's working.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's he's working hard to do nothing. Um, And that makes me think that sometimes laziness uh, Uh, is is not just a matter of of doing nothing. It's actually uh, doing a lot of different things that aren't there's not the work that i should be doing uh we have a word for that today's procrastination mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, I saw a definition somewhere once procrastination is the arrogance uh that god will give me time later to do the things he wanted me to do now uh and so yeah i'm i'm working hard doing a lot of stuff i shouldn't really be doing instead of doing the thing that i know i should be doing uh, i know i should be doing my taxes but I'm going to catch up on my emails. You know, I, I know I should be, you know, preparing for, uh, you know, for winter, uh, ancient days. But instead, you know, I'm going to uh, go and count my seed stacks. You know, like what? Just not really effective work. Uh, and and we can hide laziness by doing stuff that's just not very fruitful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But basically, I mean, what you seeing this? then this is an interesting observation because a lot of people default to to laziness or procrastination or whatever because they want to avoid discomfort i think that's that's maybe what it is like i I don't want to be doing something that will make me uncomfortable and so i'll just do nothing because that's comfortable um but what these proverbs reveal and show is doing nothing actually doesn't Give you comfort. It's it's kind of, it's more uncomfortable than doing something. And we'll talk about maybe a verse that uh, Justin brought up um, right before we started in Ecclesiastes, which talks about um, when you when you actually labor, you get something valuable. You get more comfort from working, uh, and and the the labor of a uh, or the sleep of a laborer is sweet, but the sleep of a lazy person is just miserable um, that they're never getting what they want. Um, so it's really kind of counterintuitive. You pursue laziness to feel good, (laughs) Um, or maybe to not feel bad, but you end up just feeling worse by doing nothing um, is kind of the result. Um, Going along with that, and I have uh, more verses um, to, uh, I put these in the chat for you guys, um, but there's Proverbs 10, 4 and 5, Proverbs 12, 11, Proverbs 12, 27, Proverbs 19, 15, and Proverbs 20, verse 4. These all kind of have a similar idea as well, so let's read through those. Go ahead, Scott. All right,
1: Proverbs 10, four and five. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Proverbs 12. 12
1: 11. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Mm-hmm.
0: You want to do 27 also while you're there? Verse
2: 27. uh, 27, Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Mm -hmm.
0: And then uh, 1915, Proverbs 19, 15. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Uh, And then the last one is Proverbs 20, verse 4. The sluggard does not plow in autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. So all these have a similar kind of vein in uh, what laziness or sloth leads to, uh, leads to hunger, very literally. (laughs) Um, But also I think figuratively leads to hunger because you're not filling yourself with, it's just the want for things, but not willing to actually go and do it. There's another proverb, and I didn't write this down. Um, Scott, maybe you know, or Justin. uh, What's the proverb uh, where the sloth or the sluggard puts his hand into the dish, but then he doesn't pick it back up? Which one is that? Maybe chapter 16. I can't remember, but that's a funny one. Yeah, yeah,
1: I can't he, remember where that my is. My picture out like eating oatmeal or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah there's 1920. Yeah. I like this one in uh, 1227. Whoever is sloth built will not roast his game. So. He's gone to the trouble to put a snare or use a sling or bow and arrow or a trap or whatever. And he's caught an animal. He's going to eat it. And you could skin it and pluck it and put it on a spit and start a fire and get the fire going. Gather fuel for the fire. Turn the spit. Uh, that's a lot of trouble. <laughs> <So> I just <laughs> and he, he's got something very, very unsatisfying. Whereas the diligent will get precious wealth. So I think is as, as many verses as, as we have that tell us not to lay up for yourself treasures on earth, and don't this I'm going to build tear down barns and build bigger and bigger and bigger barns for me, me, me. There's something about respecting the labor that you put into something and taking care of it,
0: you will get more out of it. Mm Yep. Uh, We got a question that came in from something we we just discussed. The question was, what's the difference between laziness and procrastination? um one thing that i'll point out is what what justin said uh uh, about that and bringing up procrastination i think the proverb that we just one of the proverbs we just read brings that idea up in proverbs 12 verse 11 says whoever works his land will have plenty of bread but whoever follows worthless pursuits lacks sense that idea of like it's not that you're not doing anything you're doing something but it's worthless (laughs) it's it's not the thing that you need to be doing and so the picture that that proverb paints is like you have something that needs to be done. The, the land needs to be worked. This is in the kind of a farming, agricultural society. If you don't plant your crops, you don't have food. And so you've got to go out and work in the in the fields in order to be able to feed yourself and feed your family. So that's something that's very important to do. But you've got this guy that's the, the person that lacks sense in verse 11 of chapter 12, who knows that the field needs to be worked. But he goes and does something else, something that's more worthless, something that's going to get him to winter and he's not going to have any food. Um, so it's not that he's not doing anything. He's just not doing the the best thing or the more beneficial thing. Um, and uh, that reminds me of uh, another passage. And then if you guys have thoughts on answering this question specifically, I don't think I'm really answering it. But that idea of like there are multiple things to do and picking the the best thing. Jesus teaches that principle as well. Um, in the story of Matthew, or Martha and Mary, whenever Jesus goes to Martha and Mary's house, and Martha is working, trying to prepare and serve, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching, and Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you're troubled over many things, but Mary has chose the good portion that will not be taken away from her. There's this better thing that you can be doing right now when you have Jesus, the Son of God, in your house. It's probably a good idea to listen to him, listen to his teaching, rather than run around and, and do various other things. But we need to train ourselves and, and use God's word and wisdom to be able to discern and figure out what is the best thing that I can be doing? What what's the, the most profitable thing that I can be doing and apply ourselves in that way. Um that's at least one kind of starting principle. But I didn't really answer the question specifically. What do you guys think about the, the what's the difference between laziness and procrastination? Justin.
2: Yeah. One one idea. Uh, I, I think the the question is a good question. Um I think, in some ways, it's, it's, uh, it's a misunderstanding of what procrastination is. It, it'd be sort of like if we said, what's the difference between uh, an oxen and livestock? Well, an oxen is a kind of livestock. Like, that's, that's just what it is. Uh, so what's the difference between laziness and procrastination? Well, procrastination is a kind of laziness. Uh, one of the proverbs we read earlier, Proverbs twenty-one twenty-five, uh the desire of a sluggard kills him. His hands refuse to labor uh, he's not doing the work that he should do he's busy doing things that he wants to do it's his desire that kills him uh, a lot of us are busy spinning our wheels doing stuff uh, you know we're researching this on YouTube or we're, um, you know we're, we're just we're, we're busy doing things that we want to do uh, and it, it may look like work to some uh, w- one of the passages we just read uh, chapter 12, verse 11, um, following worthless pursuits. If you look at 13 and 11, there's another one. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. There there are a lot of rich quick schemes out there. Uh, It seems like constantly I'm getting these ads on YouTube or Facebook. It's like, I just unlocked this super incredible thing on Amazon. I can plug this in. I can work from home and I'm making this many thousands of dollars. And... Or there's a pyramid scheme and, and come join us and sell this stuff to your friends and your neighbors and make yourself incredibly annoying to everybody you know because you want to sell them everything and it's it's this you know, I to get rich really quick in this big way instead of just doing the work that i know that i need to do so so maybe one one thing we should note about procrastination is procrastination is a kind of uh self-serving laziness i'm just following my pursuits rather than Uh, following the the work that's given to me. I'm doing what I want to do rather than knowing that I'm doing
1: what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So you have a thought? Yeah. Laziness also sometimes never gets around to doing what needs to be done. Uh, Procrastination, sometimes you didn't do it when you should have done it, but maybe at least you'll get it done in time. And some people operate well under a deadline uh you know you went to school with some guys and some guys did their project started it as soon as it got assigned you know started and and other guys it's like you know the last two nights before it's due i'm gonna cram 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 Mm -hmm. um pretty stressful you might not do as good of a job but if you get it done and do it well you weren't at least you got it done Whereas a lazy person might not even get it done at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and it makes it harder, uh, the person who procrastinates, then you, you've got it harder at the end. And the person who doesn't do things, I spent, I've got a friend of mine, he's doing better right now, and I'm glad. Uh, but I've worked with him about a year and a half and uh, taking him to court, uh, where sometimes he gets locked up afterwards. Uh, all sorts of things. When I first met him, I was feeding him about every day, but then I saw that that was not helping him. Um, and he had a hard life. Every once in a while, he would get a job, but then, you know, it, he'd always get, he'd always lose the job, you know, mm-hmm. often pretty quickly. And he had a hard life because you're always trying to figure out where, you, who you can talk into letting you stay. Mm-hmm and he would burn bridge after bridge after bridge after bridge until he ran out of bridges uh with family and and friends and you know that's pretty hard uh whereas going to work doing your work and if you don't like your boss doing your work anyway and and if so you didn't like something doing your work anyway and you have income Mm -hmm. and you have a place to stay and that's a lot less stressful than at one o'clock in the morning trying to figure out you know where you can stay because this shelter won't let you back in and it's freezing pretty miserable life
0: yeah and that um that brings to mind another one of the proverbs that that i had in proverbs 26 verse 13 says the sluggard says there's a lion in the road there's a lion in the streets As a door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. So there's that another version of that uh, proverb. But that verse in verse 13, the sluggard says there's a lion in the road, there's a lion in the streets. That's kind of a, a little bit of a curious proverb. What do you guys, like, what does that mean? Because it doesn't really give very much explanation to that. It's just this guy, the lazy person cries about a lion in the road.
1: Yeah, it's an excuse, you know. There's, uh, there's, You can always find a reason or an excuse not to do something. Mm -hmm. My friend, um, he would object to certain jobs. He'd say, they treat us like slaves. They treat us like slaves. I'm not going to be a slave. Over and over. And uh, finally, one night, it might have been two or three in the morning, I've driven from one county, two counties over, to pick him up in the cold and he's there and he'd been talking about this, I'm not gonna be a slave business. And I said, I-, I want you to think who's here in these, sla- I said, who does the work in a slave master relationship? I said the slave, you know, and do they get paid? No, okay. In our relationship, who's always demanding things? And who's always having to supply, mm-hmm. you know, and being asked to do the work, and who's never getting paid <laughs> for what they do? You saw the point.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's really easy to just I'm, make I'm those you... kind of excuses. Sorry, go ahead, Justin.
2: No, no, I'm, just, I'm glad you brought up this proverb because I think it, it brings another side to procrastination. um We're talking about. Procrastination is a kind of laziness. Maybe one of the differences, or one of the things that distinguishes it, is sometimes we procrastinate because we're afraid of failure. Yeah. We're we're intimidated by what's coming, and and I'm saying this is someone who does this sometimes. Where it's you know, I've got a project due. I've got something that I'm supposed to be doing in a few days or a few weeks, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'm I'm intimidated to pieces by this. I know I can handle this thing and that thing and that thing over there, and I'll, I'll do those things first. Uh, but I'm afraid of that thing out there. And it's kind of like this line in the streets. It is an excuse, but it's also an opportunity for me to trust God. And, and so maybe if I would trust God more and say, you know, the work that I've been given to do, God knew I could handle it. God knew I could do that. Uh, and so I get busy doing the work that gave me to do, whether it's a line in the streets or not. Uh, hmm. I, I can keep making excuses for on. Um, but the work's going to have to get done sooner or later. Mm
1: -hmm. Don't let fear drive you. I'd like to make a point about the value of work. Um, Work is valuable. Rest is valuable. God commanded them to have a Sabbath day to rest. But there was, uh, you guys wouldn't know this uh, cartoonist, um, but when I was a kid, one of the editorial cartoons, he really wasn't very good. And I didn't like his politics. But uh, one of the more famous political cartoonists was a Perblock. named Herblock. He was an editorial cartoonist for the leftist Washington Post. And just a few years ago, he retired. And when he retired, NPR interviewed him after this illustrious career. And he was talking about looking forward to the day when no one will have to work. He thought we'll get to the point where robots will do everything, and we won't have to work anymore. And he thinks this would be a glorious thing. Okay, in the first place, that's not going to happen. In the second place, um, if your one-year-old needs a diaper change, don't don't expect a robot to do that. <laughs> you still need to work, but there's value in work before there were any curses placed and work was made more futile with thorns and thistles before sin ever happened what did genesis 2 say god put adam in the garden to do to work it to keep it yes and have you ever gone on vacation and the first day you know you get there and you're excited, and it's beautiful, and you go out to eat, and you spend more than you would normally spend, and you <laughs> you, you don't get water, you actually order, you know, some <laughs> soda and uh, you don't make the kids split a frosty, you know, you know <laughs> you're, you're, you're just, and then you go do this and you go do that, you're not having the time to work. And that's really nice. After a few days of
0: that, how do you start feeling? Ready to go home. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because I want to do something substantial.
1: <laughs> yeah. You want to be productive? Yeah. Yeah. You, you saw some beautiful sunsets. You saw some cool architecture. You saw, you know, some dolphins or whatever. And you enjoyed that. But there, there starts to be a hole where... You know you're not being productive, and we need that. Mm -hmm. Justin,
2: a thought thought on that. Um, I was I was reading a a book. I think it's called Reset, and it is about the need for rest. Um, But one of the points that the author was making was that that we were made by a creator in His image, and and he pointed out that same thing in Genesis two, and he had a word for us, uh, which I, I found helpful. We are sub-creators. Uh, you know, God is the creator He made in his image. He said, all right, Adam, I want you to go and do stuff. Like go and like till the ground and go and you know, like spread, spread the boundaries of the garden. And kind of imagine maybe what the world would be like if the garden of Eden had lasted. Uh, it would have been bigger, broader, more beautiful. Um, if you've ever, there's near here, there's a place called Longwood Gardens and mm-hmm. it's just absolutely gorgeous. But there are people working there all the time <laughs> and they're just constantly busy. And they love working there because they get to see the fruit of their labor. They get to see you know the flowers come up in the spring. They get to see uh, the trees neatly trimmed and the grass look perfect. And, and there's a wonder and a beauty to it. Uh, and so we have a word for rest called recreation when we're not just recreated ourselves, but, but there's something restful about doing good, productive work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what makes me think about some of the things that we could be doing during our rest. Um, some things we do that's just, it's nothing. You know, it doesn't produce anything. And there are other forms of recreation that do produce things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not against going golfing or going bowling, but I'm not gonna build anything substantial by going bowling or going golfing. Um, but maybe there are other acts of service or projects that I can do in my off hours, my rest hours, that are productive in some way. And that, that can be another form of rest. Uh, I, I totally agree with you that that's meant to be um, a rest. John 9, verse 4, Jesus said, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Um, and then in Colossians 1, verse 10, Paul tells the saints there to bear fruit in every good work. So there's a kind of work we should be doing. And you know that song, um, Peace, Perfect Peace? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a to do the will of Jesus. This is rest. Uh, so there should be some rest in, in just knowing you've done God's will.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. good points. Mm-hmm. One thing that you said earlier, Scott, um, in, in your uh, working with your friend, um, that you pointed out to him, he didn't really realize uh, he, he was saying, I don't want to be a slave, but kind of indirectly in a way making you his slave. <laughs> um, and and that brings up an interesting point that I want to point out as well in Proverbs, that often laziness, you don't realize um, like the type of person that you've become and how people view you. <laughs> um, and I think generally everybody wants to be viewed in a positive way (laughs) they they want people to you know think think well of them think that they're a decent person and those sorts of things and um these two proverbs next to each other illustrate how a a lazy person a sluggard views themselves versus how everyone else sees them so in proverbs 26 in uh, verse 16 says the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly and you compare that to proverbs 10 in uh, verse 26 which says like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes so is the sluggard to those who send him now um, those are totally opposite views of the same person in question you've got the sluggard and the sluggard views himself as the wisest person to ever live (laughs) you know i I know all the answers I, i have you know everything under control people should come to me for advice all that kind of stuff versus everyone else that's viewing the sluggard and to them he's like vinegar on your teeth and smoke in your eyes now the vinegar on your teeth is kind of a uh, i don't have a whole lot of experience with that but i do have some experience with smoke in your eyes um you want to get as far away from that as possible you don't like being around it's yeah it's irritating it burns you know it's like you're sitting at the campfire And uh, I'm one of those people that has a natural ability to find the spot around the campfire where the smoke is always going to go to. (laughs) So I sit on this side and it hits me in the face and then I move to the other side and it hits me in the face still. And it's just it's frustrating, Um, you know, constantly being in that type of relationship (laughs) where you're constantly getting burned. But that's how people view laziness. And you think about it like in your own life, you probably know some lazy people. Um. Do you like spending time with them all the time, or relying on them to do something? Or, uh, you know, is that a person that you really seek out their company? Someone that you know is really lazy? Probably not. Um, at least not, you know, for your own benefit. Maybe for their benefit to try to help them. Um, but we can get into this this position in almost every area of our life where we think that we're never wrong, we're always right, and we never become introspective and look inwardly at ourselves, and that's a real danger with laziness and one way to overcome laziness is constantly being introspective evaluating ourselves and and seeing how we're affecting other people and and where our life is taking us to um scott you had a
1: yeah so this makes me think so you got a group dynamic might be in a family might be in a church might be uh in in a workplace and here's a lazy person that you know you can't count on well, so how likely are you going to count on them? How likely are you to assign them with this thing because you know it'll get done? Probably not. So, guess what happens? Less gets put on them. And so, say, let, let's say you got a family. Here's dad, here's mom, here's three kids one person you just can't count on to to do anything and so the rest of the family just gets used to won't ask that person to do it because they won't do it so just like water going around a rock things keep moving and just bypassing that person that person is still on the receiving end but nobody's counting on them but in their own mind they're not seeing What everybody else sees, Mm -hmm. and then that can contribute to their laziness. Mm -hmm. And this might be what was going on in Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a really good church in a lot of ways. First Thessalonians chapter one, Paul says, we don't even need to tell people else one about you because they've heard about you guys. You guys are doing good. But in chapter four, verse eleven, let's turn those to these two passages. Mm So, really interesting study there. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Don't need to. But Paul worked on this problem at least three times. During the months that he was there, he worked on it because he refers back to that in both of his letters. In fact, in his second letter, he said, even while we were with you, we told you if a man won't work, neither let him eat. And in Paul's personal example, what did he make a point not to do in Thessalonica at additional hardship? We'll just set an example for them. Take money he didn't from receive
2: them. any financial yet. He worked with his own hands?
1: Yeah. Even though he could have because he was working in the gospel, but he could see the problem in some of these people. And so he determined, I'm not going to ask for any money from this church because... They've got some people here with their hand out they need to see somebody working with their hands not with their hand down so he tried to set an example and he told them, if you won't work don't let them eat but that didn't solve the problem so when he writes first thessalonians chapter four somebody please read
0: uh verse 11 and 12 to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your own hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one.
1: Yeah, this is really, really important. Um, And he says, as we instructed you, he's reminding them what he taught them before. Notice that to be dependent on no one. Mm-hmm. So many people are looking for somebody to be dependent on. You know, I want my mother to take care of me. I want the government to take care of me. I want somebody needs to take care of me. You know, you're my roommate from college. I want you to take care of me. It says be dependent on no one. And I want to balance that with this. Are there times in life when we need to depend on other people? Mm-hmm.
0: None of them. Yeah, and a uh, uh, Bible verse to go with that. Paul's point to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians eight. He's talking about them needing to give, but he says that they should give so that there's this matter of fairness that in the, in their abundance at the present time it should supply the others' need, so that their abundance may supply your need. So that Paul acknowledges that there are sometimes when you have an abundance and you can take care of somebody and help someone that's in dire need, yes. and then there are going to be times where you're in dire need and you need somebody to come and take care of you. It's not right or wrong. But if it becomes a habit, that's where the, the difference is.
1: There's likely gonna be a time in your lives, in my life, when our children and grandchildren have to help us with things because we're no longer able to do them. And that's not the way we wish it would go. But if we get to where we can't walk, we can't walk. If we get to where we can't see, we can't see. And we're gonna be dependent on somebody. Um, I like to compare this with Galatians where it says, bear each other's burdens, but then it says, bear your own burden. And I, I think that when I think see those verses, I think of like the Israelites in the wilderness. If you're an able-bodied male, who should be, and you have a pack of belongings you got to carry, who should be carrying that? You should. <laughs> yeah. Don't put that on somebody else. You do that. But here's a little old lady, and she's frail and she can't carry her stuff. You're an able-bodied male. You need to do. Carry her stuff. Carry hers too. Mm-hmm. And the time will come when you're the frail person that can't do it, but be doing what you can. Mm-hmm. All right, lastly, Second Thessalonians chapter three. They still have not repented. And so um, and I don't, you know, when's the last time you saw somebody withdrawn from for refusing to work? <laughs> but that's that's what this text shows to do. Read somebody, verse six through uh, twelve, please.
2: And we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition you received from us. You yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day. We might not be a burden to any of you, who is not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate Or even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Cool. Yes, it seems... Paul's just continuing this same teaching here, insisting that uh, it's kind of a little red hen approach, isn't it? Um, You know, Mm -hmm. who will help me harvest the wheat? Mm -hmm. Not I, said the duck. Not I, say the cat. Who will help me grind the wheat? (laughs) Not I. Not I. And then, you know, here's the bread. Who will help me eat it? I will. I will. I will. Nope. (laughs) No, you won't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm I'm imagining a, a congregational scenario where you can just count on not being able to count on certain people. So what does that do to your fellowship? Well, whether you want to admit it or not, it diminishes it. And so you, you have to acknowledge it somehow, and mm-hmm. uh says, I will, and when the work comes, gets to say, I will, when it comes time to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a, yeah, there's a fellowship and the, the fruit of labor.
1: Yep. So I think maybe what we ought to do more, whether it's in a family or a workplace or a congregation, is give that person a response not a responsibility they shouldn't be entrusted with like something the role of a deacon should do not not that when they're not qualified but expect them to do something and then when they don't ask them why they didn't do it Mm -hmm. you know and, and challenge them to step up because encouraging them to always be on the receiving end is really not doing them a favor. -hmm. Good.
2: I know we're getting close to our time here, but it reminds me of Proverbs thirty-one, and this is something we're trying to instill in our children. uh, And I'm thoughtful about it because I I want to ask my children for help. You know, I've got a thirteen-year-old, an eleven-year-old, a nine, and a seven-year-old, and so we're trying to instill them this: when you see mommy and daddy working, or when you see work needs to be done, you help out. But I also don't want to say, hey, can you go bring me my book or can you go bring me my tool when I can go and get it myself? And I imagine there's a balance to that. But what I see in Proverbs 31 is this excellent woman who, if you look at verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Uh, verse 15, she rises while it's yet night, provides food for her household, portions for her maidens. You know, She's serving the servants. In verse 16, she considers a field, buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She initiates. She doesn't wait for someone to come and tell her what to do. She finds work that's worth doing, and she gets busy doing it. Uh, and, and that's, you know, I hope that's what we will see in our children and in, in churches, uh, people who are initiating labor. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan, did we read the proverb about the ant?
0: No, yeah. So I wanted to kind of end with that. Um, in and, and kind of some a couple of proverbs that illustrate how to overcome laziness, and one of those is is Proverbs 6. Yeah, yeah so I'll read that.
2: that
0: yeah, I'll read that. Proverbs 6, verse 6 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having ch- any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. I really like that because that gives one principle of overcoming laziness is look to people that aren't lazy. <laughs> look look for an example of somebody that can accomplish something or does accomplish something well and imitate it. And here, uh, Solomon uses ants <laughs> to, to illustrate. Um, you know, Even ants get out and work and take care of themselves because they know there's a need. <laughs> um and so it's so valuable to if you feel like you're the kind of person that struggles with laziness you probably know someone that doesn't or at least seems like that they don't that they're they're a good worker they have a good work ethic they always get things done well um go and talk to them and ask them to maybe help you or or look at their life just observe them and and try to model yourself after them that's a big principle for us to really try to do um the second point and then if you guys have thoughts about this second way of overcoming um, uh, laziness or a, a tip to do that, I get from Proverbs 14, verse four, which is one of my favorite proverbs. It's really unique. And I, and I really appreciate the, the message behind it. It says Proverbs 14, four, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. The, the principle that it's trying to illustrate is if you are working on a farm and you need to plow your field, you need an ox. <laughs> Um, because that's that's how you're going to be able to plow your field. That's how you're going to be able to plant things you know, in any great quantity. That's how you're going to have a harvest afterwards. But if you've got an ox, then that means you have to take care of the ox, and you've got to have an ox barn and a place for the ox to stay, and you got to feed the ox, and you got to clean up after the ox. And I worked on a farm looking after horses. It's not fun cleaning out horse stalls. <laughs> that's disgusting work. I would rather not do it. But you get this decision that you have to make. Do you want food later on or do you want to go hungry? <laughs> um, because the food that you're going to be able to get means you're going to have to do the hard work of taking care of the ox. Um, and that's uh, some, a decision that we all have to make in different situations. Do you want the benefit or do you want to have nothing? And you can choose freely. If you want to have nothing, do nothing and you'll get nothing. But if you want to have something you might have to do something a little bit challenging to get that something, but it'll be worth it. And that's something Jesus um, also teaches as well spiritually, that there is a cost associated with following Jesus. There are things that you're gonna have to give up, things you're gonna have to suffer through, struggles you're gonna have to face, but it's gonna be worth it. Or you can do nothing and get nothing uh, in, in return. Um, So those are the two principles. Look for examples to imitate and then also decide in in your mind, what do you value more? Do you value comfort and ease while you're hungry? Or do you value taking care of yourself and getting things with a little bit of hard work? Um, And hopefully everybody will want to do a little bit of hard work to get something.
1: So many things we tend to get out of it what we put into it. Uh, And, you know, three little pigs, you know. The first one wanted to do something very simple so that they could run around and play. Third little pig worked harder, and that's where everybody needed to go when
0: the wolf came. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you guys have anything else you want to say before we wrap up? All right. Uh, well, thank you for your discussion today. Uh, thank you to our audience for joining in with us. If you have any other further questions about this topic or anything else you'd like us to discuss on BibleQuest, you can visit our website at BibleQuest.tv and leave your comments and questions there. And We'll be looking forward to those in the future. That's all we have time for this week. And so we'll plan on seeing everyone next week. Lord willing.